0: Morning, how are you guys doing? Pretty responsive. I'm like the nine o'clock service. <laughs> Just kidding. Let me get set up here real quick. Um yeah, hold on. I need to display the water. It's not for drinking purposes. It's because I appreciate it because it's the water that looks like me, so. <laughs> okay, 9.30 was better. Anyways, um, <laughs> just wanted to start off with you guys. Actually, 9.30, I was over here. I'm going to start off over here. Um, I'm just going to share a story with you uh, this morning. <clears throat> in sixth grade. How many sixth graders do we have in the building? Raise your hands. Any sixth graders? We have a a couple. All right, we have a few. So you guys are going to hear this story and then you guys can compare your life and to see if you are doing okay. Actually, let me hold on real quick. I got to set a timer. Most most of my youth students know this. I set a timer because I don't like to go over. I don't like to preach long sermons. Um, And I've already won you over with that. Um, But Uh, Yeah, so sixth graders, you guys are going to hear the story, and you guys are going to uh, be able to match it with your life and to see if you're doing okay. Um, Before I get into the story, though, uh, I I just want to first and foremost say that I'm going to be very sensitive, very vulnerable, very upfront and honest, okay, very transparent. So please, after the service, don't make fun of me. Don't come over and bully me. Don't push me over with your words, don't judge me, all right? Because this is like 18 years ago. Um, I went to a school called Madrona Elementary. I grew up in SeaTac, Washington. How many of us know where that's at? Yeah? It's where the uh, planes take off and they land, all right? So just in case you didn't know, that's SeaTac Airport. Um, So I grew up right in that area, and I went to Madrona. And in sixth grade, uh, just being a sixth grader, our school had an interesting dynamic. We As 5th and 6th graders, we were set off to the side in portables, and the rest of the school was in its own building. And I think that a lot of it had to do with probably the reputation of 5th and 6th graders wanting to kind of be off on their own, like just being cool. Um, And sometimes I think about that, and I'm like, eh, it kind of reminds me of my middle school and high schoolers in our youth ministry, because my high schoolers always are like we're too cool for school why do we have our middle schoolers in here with us and even right now they're thinking oh pastor john you're so annoying um i there's a couple of laughters thank you um anyways um but the dynamic was the the dynamic was interesting because we were separated we were we are um off in portables and so with that being said we weren't with the rest of the school so with us being in portables, we had bathrooms in the portables. Now, being in a place, an area where people are always there, you, growing up in, like, the public schools, you don't want to be known as the person that uses the bathroom in the public schools. Amen? Right? Like, I don't know if that's changed. I don't know if you nowadays, like students, they go to school and they like to use the public bathrooms. I don't know how it is. But back in the day, that's not what we wanted to do. Let me tell you about this one morning where I went to school. And everything was fine. But towards like the early afternoon, I started to feel this unsettling feeling in my stomach. (sighs) And it was rough. And when I'm saying early afternoon, I'm talking about like 10, 11 o'clock. And elementary school does not get out as early as high school. It gets out roughly around like 3 o'clock, 3.30. So here I am battling the clock, and I'm watching as time goes by. Fast forward, couple hours, things start to go away around like 1, 2 o'clock. But right when like 2, 2 2.30 happens, and I'm like an hour away, things begin to become chaotic. And I start to just feel this intense pain, and I'm looking at the clock, and I'm like so close to the finish line, I begin to wrap everything up. I begin to pack things. My teacher's probably wondering, why is this student wrapping things up? Because at that time, I didn't care about what the teacher said. My my, my friends were probably talking to me. I'm like, shut up. I don't want to hear it. Because I'm so focused on what is happening right now in the pain that's in my stomach. So here we are, 3 o'clock. I'm just watching the time. And as soon as the bell rings, I'm out the door. First one out the door. Probably the fastest I've ever moved into my life. (laughs) And so I told you the dynamic about my school. But let me tell you about the dynamic between the school in my house. It's not as if I had to wait for a school bus ride to go home. I lived right next to the school. We lived in apartments right next to the school, probably about a hundred yards away. But outside of that outside of the field that was there, there was also a fence. So there's two obstacles right now in my in my way. And growing up in growing up in, in the church, they teach you about David versus Goliath, right? This was my Goliath. Anyways, um, I'm running as fast as I possibly can while keeping everything together and holding everything together. And I'm running as fast as my short, stubby little legs would allow me because, I mean, like for me, it not, not much has changed since I was in sixth grade. Maybe a little bit shorter, but well, anyways. Um, and I'm running as fast as I possibly can, but I'm not that athletic. I get to the fence. I hop over it. And then I land on my two feet. Oh, hold it. Hold it. It's not there yet. We're about 30 yards away from the stairs of my apartment. And it's not like long stairs. There's about about 15 steps that are there. But as I turn the corner, I kid you not, it's like the Lord sent an angel from heaven. I saw my mom's car parked in the parking lot. And as soon as I saw that, my heart leaped with joy because I don't have to, like, fumble for my keys. You guys ever have that feeling? Like, you guys need to be more truthful this morning, okay? Anyways, I'm running and I begin to yell, Mom! Mom! Open the door! Open the door! And here I am just going up the flight of stairs. And I hit. And we had a screen door and the regular door. I hit the screen door. My mom opens the door almost simultaneously. And at that moment, I don't think there's ever been a more intimate but more embarrassing moment in my life. I lock eyes with my mom. And as I open the screen door, my mom is, like, wondering, why are you yelling? Who is chasing you right now? Knowing my mom, my mom is, you know, she's short in stature, but my mom could beat anybody up, right? We think about that with our parents, right? Our parents could beat anybody up. And my mom is, like, worried, and I'm weeping as I look at her. And she's like, son, what's wrong? And I couldn't say anything because there was just a warm stream running down my leg. This was my epic fail. This was... My epic fail. Now, may I? Now, since I have your attention, may I draw you to a sermon series that Lance did back when Easter was happening? Now, like I said, don't use the story against me, right? My hey, my my youth my youth pastor growing up taught me if you point a finger, there's three fingers pointing back at you. All right. Anyways, um, going back to the sermon series. That Lance had spoken on, he talked about out of Luke 19, this sermon series called Epic Fail. And what he highlighted was the triumphal entry when Jesus rode into Jerusalem with a donkey and the people that would welcome Jesus in would put palm branches as he rode into the city because they saw him as the coming messiah. And their epic fail wasn't their worship to him because we all worship, it was their perception. Because these same people that would worship Jesus would soon later begin to curse and call to kill him. This was their epic fail. It was not in their worship, it was in their perception. That was their epic fail. But Lance gave us several points because it was in preparation for that Easter season. But because we're doing this Remember series, may I draw your heart and attention to those three points that he gave during that sermon. If you're taking notes, you guys can write this down. The first point he said was, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Because there's something important about Guarding your heart. And what guarding your heart looks like, it's dependent upon you. I can't tell you how to guard your heart. You know exactly how to guard your heart. Number two is remember well. It's ironic that he uses that as his second point. It's almost as if he set this sermon up in the remember series. Remember well. Why, why do we say remember well? It's because you need to be able to remember that time, that place, that season. And where you were. Because some of you guys, truth be told, have probably walked in here. During the Easter season, you may have been on fire. You may have been close to the heart of God. You may, whatever it may be. And today, you may find yourself a little thin. You may find yourself on empty. You may find yourself struggling today. And number three is prepare a place. Prepare a place. And it's it's good that he made that his point. Because today... There's a place to be prepared, amen? There's a place to be prepared, amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Awesome God, we love you, we thank you. Jesus, have your way. I'm so grateful to be able to share the proclamation of your word today. I pray that you would, um, as you've gone before us and worship God, so would the spirit reside here right now. And you are speaking to so many different people today. We love you. We thank you. And all of God's people says, amen. 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 If it's your first time here, I know uh, Carrie had already said welcome. But honestly, uh, we're grateful that you're here. Uh, I want to just bring your attention to a few things that are going to be happening over these next coming weeks. Uh, We have uh, Pastor John Erickson, our kids pastor, speaking next week. And then after that our senior pastor comes, and he returns from his vacation. If this is your first time, can I encourage you and plead with you to be back, not just for uh, two weeks when Pastor Lance comes back, but for next week, too. Um, we we, we want to be great hosts, and we want you to have a place where you can call home. Um, but when you guys do see Pastor John Erickson next week and then the week after don't think that there was like this benjamin button effect okay um it's don't think that they're even father son all right because you're gonna get mixed up all right so this is where you have you just have to come and you have to you have to see everything for yourself all right if you're confused just come back next week it'll kind of all explain for itself all right because you guys got a chance to see lance on the screen all right but uh, no seriously our senior pastor is awesome and um We want you guys to come back so that you guys can hear from our lead. Um, I know Heather already uh, introduced uh, who I was, but um, I'm going to do it again. My name is John. I'm the youth and young adults pastor here. Uh, And it wasn't always once like that. Um, I want to share a little bit with you my story in particular because uh, just recently I transitioned into that youth pastor position. Um, Did I want to? Mm, Not really. Did I need to? Definitely not. But there was a question that was asked that would begin to set up who I am now and who I will be in the future so that I don't have this thing that we call an epic fail, but more more so than that, that I wouldn't have a catastrophic fail. Um, some of you guys know my some some of you guys know my story. Some of you guys don't. I'm going to share that with you real quick, because I didn't just come here just because. Um, I had met a person named Dave Veach approximately about four years ago, and he is our district supervisor for the entire Pacific Northwest. And in that conversation with him, he had I, at that time I had just spent about a year year and a half running into youth ministry at a church up in Everett. And I had met him because of two close friends that are near and dear to my heart that set up this meeting uh, with Asian Americans. And in that meeting, he had asked what my heart was. And I told him, um, my heart is to serve the youth of today, but I know that God has called me to eventually run my own church. And he asked me a question, what are your thoughts on church planning? I love church planning. I would love to do that. And so couple years later, I'm in this season where I am trying to identify what I'm going to do next. I felt, I felt like it was kind of like this, um, this season where I just stalled. And it wasn't when I turned 25. It wasn't like a you know quarter century crisis where I'm like, oh, God, help me. What am I going to do? It was just in a season where I knew that God was leading me somewhere. I just didn't know where I was going to go. And so I asked my my former church for a sabbatical, a month sabbatical, just to take off so that I can work some things out and, and figure out what I was going to do in the future. I kid you not, the first week, Dave Veach, out of the blue, sends me an email, says, hey, would you be interested in meeting with this guy named Lance down in Tacoma? I thought to myself, eh, all right, but let me reply really quick with an email. Free food, question mark? <laughs> I didn't know what I was getting myself into when I met with Lance. But I will tell you one thing, okay? When I had come down here for this meeting, this, is my, this was my perception of Lance. This was my thought. I thought, because my first ever encounter with a 4 pastor was ironically with Dave Veach's son. I, back when I was like a freshman or sophomore in high school, I heard Chad Veach's sermon from at Foursquare. Um, and when I, when I saw him, I saw this tall, slender, good-looking, like very fashionable, great hair, very articulate speaker. And I was like, wow. And so my first impression of every Foursquare pastor nowadays is they're going to be tall. They're going to be uh, GQ. They're going to be wearing skinny jeans, maybe a leather jacket, maybe a denim jacket, some Chelsea boots, nice hair, all right? And so when I sit down and I'm waiting for Lance to come, I see this big bear of a man walk in, and he says, John? And I'm like, Lance? And we meet... I mean, Lance, he filled most of those things, just not the skinny jeans (laughs) and the hair, all right? Anyways, as I met him, he shakes my hand, and you know those handshakes that you just know you are going to be so loved and so protected that was the handshake that I felt from Lance. And I'm sure the reason why you guys have come here and the reason why you guys have come back time and time again and faithfully serve here is because you have felt that same way from Lance. And that's why I'm telling you if this is your first time, come back, all right? It's going to be great. But from that, from that, I closed the chapter. And it took a lot of faith. It took a lot, lot of not knowing what I was going to do. But through it all, I asked one question. God, am I being obedient to your will? Am I being obedient to your call? I moved down here. Going to church plant in a year. Well, guess what? year was back in March. And I'm still here. I want to highlight just one more story really quick of what that looked like, because back in February, um, in our transition all our there was a transition that happened from our former youth pastors, and I love Justin and Christina Stover so much, and we still keep in contact. There was a tra- time where there was a transitional period, and Lance had pulled me aside, and he said, John, I know that you came down here to church plant, but would you consider... Would you consider taking over the youth ministry? You ever just get that reaction from like when your kids may ask you a question or when somebody asks you something funny and you're just like, really, did you just say that? I looked at him as if he was the craziest man in the room at that time. Because when I came down here, I had left something that I felt like was going to be forever permanently closed. I thought that I was going to stop doing youth ministry and I was going to plan a church. But can I tell you about a conversation that me and God had in those five days? Because it was a quick turnaround time between the meeting that I had with Lance. The conversation that I had was with God when I was praying. And this is funny because this always happens. To me, hopefully it does to you. But whenever I go before the Lord in prayer, He always humbles me, and I'm hoping that when you go into prayer, He always humbles you. And He said to me, John, what difference is it if they do if they're this small or that big? Aren't you still a pastor? Pfft, wrecked my heart. Absolutely devastated. And so we meet about five days after, right on my birthday. We go for breakfast. And, I mean, I tell myself, I hope Lance just wanted to meet with me for breakfast because he loved me. Not because he was seeking an answer. <laughs> but I told him at breakfast, you know, and I'm just kidding. We had a great time. Lance loves me. He covers me so well. And during that conversation, we had, we are just talking about the possibilities of what was to come. Uh, can, we, can I bring your attention to scripture? Uh, can we read this really quick? Uh, Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. Can we pause right there? Because that verse right there, that same command that Joshua was given to God, was given to by God, is for you as well. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with you, just as I was with Moses. So I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong. Everyone say, be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong. Everyone say, be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to All the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Can we read this all together, church? Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous, do not be frightened. And do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. I think about being in Joshua's shoes. And what would have happened if Joshua said no to the Lord? Have you guys ever thought about that? God gives these commands and he tells Joshua to be strong, to be courageous, to not be afraid because he will be with him wherever he goes. And I thought about what would have happened if Joshua had said no. Don't you think that it would have been pretty catastrophic? Don't you think that that would have been a pretty epic fail? Because you'll see in scripture that Joshua would go on to be one of the... uh, one of the more prominent figures in all of scripture, a person that trusted God, obeyed God, and had faith in what God was doing, no matter the situation, no matter the circumstance. And the reason why I love this series so much about Epic Fail is because for me, I think about that time where Lance had asked me to do one not just one thing, but two things, and if I would have said no. I'm blessed to be a part of Puget Sound Foursquare. I'm blessed to be here, not to just be here as a church planner, but to be here as a pastor that will be able to shepherd and help steward you, not just specifically youth and young adults. I know that I'm a youth and young adult pastor, but for every single person here, to help steward you in your relationship with Christ. And I think to myself, what would have happened if I said no? What would have happened if I had said no. Pretty catastrophic in my opinion. But I look at Joshua and and just the story because if you were to have been in Joshua's shoes, if I were to be in Joshua's shoes and God had presented with me, hey, I want you to take over what Moses did. Moses, a person that met with me face-to-face, person that is in in, Scripture, in Scripture, As one of the mightiest men of faith, I want you to take over for Moses. And not just that, I want you to take over and lead thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people into the promised land. And I want you to keep going because I'm going to give you every single area that you trek. Everywhere that you set foot upon, I am going to deliver to you. And it's not one of those moments where you look at it and you think, like it's a contract, where do I sign? If that was presented to me, mm mm-mm, where's the quickest exit? Because my resume shows that I'm underqualified for this. I can't lead thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. Ironically, isn't that what God calls us to do every single day? Is to lead people to Jesus Because no matter how many people that you think that you come across, you're going to encounter thousands across your lifetime. But maybe there's other areas that you can respond in obedience, much like how Joshua did when he took over to lead the people of Israel. Now, my story is not an exceptional story. It's not the story to be put on this pedestal. My story is just an example Because I look into the audience and I could probably say that all of your stories are probably better than mine. But we're not in this area to compare. Equally so, we all have incredible stories and we have all incredible testimonies. But maybe there's some areas in your life where you need to respond in obedience today. Maybe there's areas in your life where God is calling you into and he's challenging you to take those things so that you can respond and say yes. Because when God proposed to Joshua, when he commanded Joshua, he didn't ask a question. He made a command. Joshua, I want you to do these things. Joshua replies back, not with a question, saying, God, why? He wasn't like one of our kids that asked, why? Go clean your room. Why? Why? Go wash the dishes. Why? I used to do that with my parents all the time. John, can you go take out the trash? Why? He responds by saying yes. He assumes command. He leads the people. There's areas where we're being called to respond in our obedience. And I want to bring your attention to a few things. And as I do, I want to go from a, a level that is Um, more Christianized to things that are more real in the world today. Is that okay? Like responding in your obedience, maybe it looks like just you simply being able to read your Bible on a daily basis and to be intimate with the Lord and Savior that wants to know you for who you are. Maybe it's taking some time to pray day in and day out, to pray about those situations that you need help to overcome Maybe it's in discipleship and being able to walk with somebody regardless of how great they may be or no matter how bad they may be. And it's walking with them every single day because you want to see the Jesus in them. Maybe it's serving in your church taking the steps to not just be a person that comes in whatever they choose, but to say, I am willing to lay down my life so that I can serve the body of Christ. To give up the time and the commitment and the effort to sacrifice what may be close to my heart and to give it to the church. Because why? Because we have so many different areas that need help, but more so than anything, we need want you to be willing to obey and to respond in those things. Because we can't force you to serve in, 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 in any capacity. I mean, you talk to me, youth and young adults, yeah, we need help. You'll talk to Laura, worship needs help. You talk to kids, kids definitely needs help. You know what's a great sign of a growing church? A phenomenal kids ministry that's growing. Because that promises the future. And can I tell you something? Our kids' ministry is pretty phenomenal and it's growing, adding a bunch of rugrats and young kids that will run circles around you. What if it's the things that we face every day, like anxiety and stress and worry, where God is asking you to respond in obedience? What if it's the addictions that we may face in our everyday life? Okay, church, can I, can I be real and honest with you for a moment? Can I take a step back? Through these doors, we, th- we see hundreds of people walk through. You don't think a person, one mere person, would have an addiction, whether it be to pornography, whether it be to alcohol, whether it be to substances? My timer is telling me to stop. But I'm going to keep going just a little bit. We're almost there. We're almost there. You don't think that there's real problems that come. Church doesn't mask those things. Church exposes those things. It's okay for you to not be okay. It's okay for you to come in here needing and being desperate for a Savior that is going to make you whole because we may not be okay, but Jesus makes us Okay. And those things that you may be facing in your everyday life, those things that, whether it be putting down the bottle or the glass, whether it be letting go of those things of the substances that you may rely on to rely on his grace and his love and his mercy, whether it be the things that you begin to compare yourself to on social media or how you compare your family to the next family, whatever it may be, those things you can let go and you can respond in obedience and say, God, I want to give these things to you. I want to respond in obedience. I'm going to end with this. Maybe some of you guys here today, your response to obedience is simply surrendering your life to Jesus for the first time. I think about Joshua and the potential catastrophic fail. Like, if he were to have said no, imagine. Imagine. I would have said no. It's not that big of a deal because I'm, I'm replaceable. I'm replaceable. But I think about Jesus and how he goes to the cross knowing that he is going to die for you and for me. Isn't that crazy to think about Look, God was asking Joshua to take the people of Israel into the promised land, but he wasn't asking him to die. God sends Jesus to come and to walk this earth, and then he asks his son to respond to obedience to go and to die. If you guys remember the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was asking God to take this cup away, to take away what would potentially happen, because if anybody were to think, I'm going to die, what's the point? Can I tell you what the point is? The point and the reason why Jesus came and he died on the cross for your sins was because he loved you. He had you in mind. And so when Jesus was praying down in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was praying so hard that blood was, was, when blood was pouring out from his forehead, the reason why he was praying so hard was not because he wanted to walk away from it, but he knew that brutality was the only way that you and I would have a second chance. So when Jesus, when Jesus went to the cross... It wasn't supernatural powers that that fueled him because he died a gruesome death. You know what he had on his mind when he went to the cross? He had you. He had you. You, the person that you are right now. Not the former you, not the future you. He had you in mind. You respond in your obedience. Church, can we pray? Awesome God. We love you. We thank you so much. God, we're grateful. We're grateful for a time to come together, to gather, to worship all different kinds of people, tribes, and tongues. We're here to honor and to glorify you. So, Father, I pray whatever that response may be in obedience. God, may you challenge us. Holy Spirit, work in us. Move us, Father. And may we say yes to you. May we reply and respond in obedience. We love you. We thank you. And all of God's people says, amen.